On this episode of This Week in Linux, we talk about the recent FCC decision to roll back net neutrality rules. We'll check out some new application releases for GIMP, FireGel, and the Mutt email client. There was some interesting distro news this week, including a new release for MX Linux and some design updates from Kubuntu and Q4OS. We'll also check out some Linux gaming news and even some core news like Red Hat's Thunderbolt 3 related project. All that and much more coming up. I'm Michael Tunnell with Tux Digital, and this is your weekly source for Linux news. Up first in the show this week is table flipping news from the FCC repealing net neutrality rules. I could go into this long spiel about why this is bad for the internet or whatever, but I decided to wait because it turns out that the FCC doesn't care about what the citizens of the country think. And they did they proved that by ignoring 20 million comments about not doing with this. And I didn't make a video because I I knew what they were going to vote for and I wanted to wait to see what happens after the fact. So I will be making a video on this topic in the coming couple days or so where I go in more in depth about what was happened, why it was a mistake, what what can be done now or what is going to be done now. Things like that. Uh, and I also address like the arguments on both sides, so it's not like just a one opinionated video or anything. It's going to be like all all encompassing video. But I decided to wait because the 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 votes that the FCC commissioners made, the ones who voted for the repeal uh, to get rid of the rules, they announced they were going to do this in two years ago. So we it's not surprising. But anyway, unfortunately. This is some pretty bad news that affects pretty much everyone who uses the internet. So, there you go. Now to some actually, like, good news. This week, GIMP released 2.9.8, and with it comes a lot of cool and exciting features. The version release actually seems like a like a small update, but actually it's um, it's quite a lot. So, for example, the first thing we talk about is the on-canvas gradient editing. Now, the on-canvas gradient editing is the ability to use the canvas to create the, the gradients themselves. So, for example, you can see in the video that they can move around the, can, the, the gradient with the, uh, the tool built into the canvas rather than like a pop-up dialog tool. And then you can add extra points and change the color like fairly quickly, adding midpoints and all this kind of stuff so like you can have multi-level gradients and stuff like that. I actually like this a lot better than Photoshop's way of doing it because the Photoshop way is just through like a pop-up dialog and it's like sliders and stuff. I like this approach better because it gives you much more specific control of how everything is laid out and like the distances and stuff. So that's that's pretty cool. The next thing they did was clip warning which is allows you to visualize uh, underexposed and overexposed area. So like this is an overexposed area at the top, and then you have other sections down here that are underexposed. So it kind of gives you like a filtering mask to show you like where those areas are, are, are implied of overexposure and underexposure. So that's pretty cool. They've also added better PSD support, which is Photoshop documents, and paste in place function. The paste-in-place function is actually pretty cool because what it does, it allows you to copy something in one like composition 
and then paste it into another composition while it stays in the same location of where you copied it previously. So if your canvas is the same size and then you want to like move one to the other, you can just copy it and stay in the same place rather than having to like paste it in and then move it back to where it was. That is fantastic. So good job, GIMP. And uh, I, I can't wait for GIMP 3.0 because that's going to be a lot of cool stuff. FireGel 0.9.52 was released this week. FireGel is a, if you've never heard of this, it's a really cool um, sandboxing tool that you can run applications um, as you say FireGel, then the name of the application and allows you to run inside of a sandboxed environment. 0.9.52 was released and it includes SystemD ResolveD integration, NetFilter template support, and adds a timeout feature so that you can you can automatically time out uh, sandboxes. And then you can also have like a whitelisting for various directories, uh, more specifically the var directory. So you can use the var directory in, inside of the sandbox. Well, the var directory that is outside of the sandbox, you can use stuff for putting like logs and stuff into that from the sandbox. Uh, another cool thing about this is that FireGel is pretty much the main way that you can have sandboxing with an app image. So if you use app images and you want to do like a sandboxing environment for them, uh, FireGel is the way to go. KDE announced KDE Application 17.12 this week. With this release comes a lot of updates to uh, pretty much the entire stack, including Dolphin has now a capable of saving searches, uh, limiting the search to only specific folders, or actually only two folders so that you, when you search you're not going to display files, just folders. You can now make it easier to rename files as well by double-clicking the file name extension instead of having to like use F2 or right-click or anything like that. So that's nice. Uh, Ocular has added support for high DPI. And also, you can now share documents via email. Gwynview has introduced new features for smoothing, uh, smoother zooming. Smoothing, sure. Smoother zooming and improved keyboard navigation. The next thing is next notable thing is Kmail has added Microsoft Exchange support. So KDE Applications 17.12. Kden Live 17.12 was also released this week. And the this was a maintenance update focusing on fixes, bug fixes and stability. The coolest thing about this is that one of the things that kind of annoys me about Kden Live is when you use it uh, some when you're trying to seek on the timeline, it sometimes does a little stuttering thing. And that's one of the things they fixed was making the seeking on the timeline much smoother. So that is fantastic. And they've also reduced the memory usage for Caden Live as well. So that's great. So Caden uh, Live 17.12 is basically just a maintenance update, but it's like getting closer and closer to the the next full update of 18.04, which is like a big rewrite and everything. So like I'm super excited for this. Caden Live is by far the best video editor that I've used on Linux. So every time it gets an update, I'm always super uh, excited to try it out. If you're excited to try it out, check out the links in the video description. There's a You can use it in the app image version that allows you to like not have to worry about installing and various things. So KDE is actually running a donation drive. So if you're interested in participating and helping out the KDE project because you like Kden Live, for example, then uh, check out the donation drive linked to the video description. And, uh, you know, KDE powers you, so you can power KDE. 
But 1.9.2 was released this week, and with it comes the fix for a problem they were having with uh, MIME, in- MIME encryption, and also enables full address matching during message scoring. Another thing they did is a lot of uh, translation updates from previous version of 1.9.1, and quite a few more things, but most of it's just like bug fixing and maintenance and stuff like that. So it is a, a maintenance release, but I wanted to feature MUT because it's a, a really cool, like, it's a terminal-based email client. So if you if you like using the terminal for a lot of applications and you want to try out a cool email client in the terminal, definitely check out MUT. It is pretty cool. MUT 1.9.2. This week, Mozilla made a mistake. Um, it was a weird decision on their part. It's not like it's a big deal. It's not like it's a huge problem that they did it. Um, but it is it is problematic because it just shows they make some weird decisions sometimes. I think this is more than likely a advertisement play. So they were probably given money for it in some way. So people are kind of like wondering what's Mozilla going to do for you know, advertising or like funding. And I think this might be part of that. I don't know for sure about that part because they haven't really explained it, but there was an add-on that a lot of Firefox people have. If you are a Firefox user and you have the Shield Studies system uh, activated, you may actually have this installed into your Firefox uh, browser right now. It is an add-on that Mozilla forcibly installed into your system without informing you. It's, It's like a scavenger hunt game thing for Mr. Robot's next season coming out. And Mr. Robot's a show about how like privacy and security is really important and stuff like that. And Firefox is a browser that's in a project overall that is very privacy oriented and security oriented. And then they team up together to forcibly install an add-on in your system. Like, what? Why? Like, what good does this do? Not everybody who who uses Firefox watches Mr. Robot. Not everybody who watches Mr. Robot uses Firefox. I doubt very many people would want an add-on automatically installed in their browser for no reason, just for an ad. Essentially, it's an ad. So, next time you want to do that, just like prompt them if they want to try like play the game or something. Do you, hey, little message says, "Do you watch Mr. Robot?" Try out blah 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 like whatever. It's just don't do this. It's not like it's it's not malicious. It's not malware or anything. It is cre- it was created by Mozilla, so it is safe to use. It's just a bad idea. This week, MX Linux seventeen was released. MX Linux is based on Debian nine point three, with the Linux kernel four point thirteen and is supported both on 64-bit and 32-bit systems. What's come, what's come new with this release is a lot of updates to various different packages and stuff like that, but what makes MX really interesting is all their custom tools that they have. So, for example, they have like a simple editing uh, option for conky files with their MX conky tool. And then they have the MX snapshot tool, making tweaks with the MX tweak tool, and what's really cool is the MX package installer tool. What allows you, like by default, you have Debian 
9.3, which is Debian stable. So Debian stable is like all the packages that were that are not often updated. But if you want to use packages from, say, Debian testing or Debian SID, you can use the package installer tool from MX that allows you to use like different pack, different repos without having to worry about like the compatibility of sorts because it'll handle that stuff for you. So, MX Linux 17, check it out. Kubuntu ha- announced this week that they're going to test a switch, but for the default plasma theme to be breeze dark with the next release for 1804. You can already try this out in the daily ISOs if you'd like to. There's a little bit of confusion as to what is going on with this switch. So you can see there's some like uh, articles being written about it, and there's some some other podcasts are talking about it. And it's not exactly like what people are thinking it is. So a lot of people are looking at it as everything is changing to Breeze Dark. And that's not really the case. The the um, The windows of the applications themselves are not going to be changed. They're still going to be the Breeze Light theme. The panels, the menu, and the widgets would be changed to this, the Dark variant. So it's more of a hybrid approach. You can see here that the panel down here at the bottom... And the menu is dark, but then the window itself is light. So it's not really switching exclusively to the the dark theme of an, entirely. It's just the the plasma side of it. the The reason why this is confusing to a lot of people is because the uh, the plasma saying that the plasma theme has changed. People th- are kind of associating that that means all of it. But in the terms of KDE's approach, plasma is just the desktop environment, not the overall thing. So Kwin's theme is what Breeze Light is being utilized as. The suggestion that they changed for the testing was from me. My suggestion was because I wanted to make it an easier introduction to people when they start using the Kubuntu layout. Because it always bothered me that the default was so bright. Not because it was it bothered me. I wasn't going to use it anyway. I'm going to change it regardless. I'm going to change the windows too. But the default is, if it was dark, it's a lot more pleasant to the eye because it's not as jarring and and so bright. Now, it's not good to read something, and it's better to read something with a light background and black text, for example, because that allows you to, like, um, it's better for your eyes to read it, something like that. So reading, like, some documents or a website is good to actually be a, a light theme. But when it's like constantly there and not really supposed to be part of your like constant attention attention, it's your peripheral vision. It's better for it to be dark so it's not like always jarring. So that's where that was the motivation behind the suggestion. And um, I think that's a better approach. But it also it's a good idea in my opinion because when people are moving from Windows to Linux and they they look at Kubuntu, for example, they go from Windows 10 to Kubuntu, and while it's not exactly the same or anything, it does have a familiar feel with the the Windows 10 dark panel or dark taskbar with the Kubuntu breeze dark if they were to do that. So I think that also gives it an appeal as well. So people kind of expect it maybe, but also the, the reasons for why it's um, good for the eyes. This week we got an announcement from Farron OS. They've reached 100,000 downloads, total downloads, 
since they started the project in 2015. Farron OS is a fairly small group of people making a boutique distro based on Linux Mint. If you haven't heard of Farron OS, uh, you want to, you're interested in seeing like what what's the difference between Farron OS and Linux Mint. There's quite a few things. A really cool thing they did is the Themer tool, which is is like a it's a it's a layout manager tool that allows you to like modify things and then save it so that you can use it later and like even like share the stuff so like you can set up your layout. Um, in a much easier way. So that is a really convenient thing to do for Mint because, uh, you know, Cinnamon doesn't by default have any ability to do that. So if you do change this stuff and then you have to reinstall, you won't be able to have any of that stored. So the, the Farron OS uh, themer tool provides that, uh, that option. If you're interested, if you're a Linux Mint user and you're interested to check out like a derivative of it, check out uh, Farron OS. Uh, link in the video description. Next up in the show is Q4OS Linux. They got a new uh, experimental theme for their their interface. Q4OS is a Debian-based distro that uses the Trinity DE, which is forked from KDE3, so fairly old. And uh, they, this update is about their Debonair desktop theme. The interesting thing about this is, one, Trinity DE definitely needed an, up, an update to the look uh, because it looked like a like an XP, Windows XP wannabe kind of thing, which was done on purpose back in the day, but the, they still continue to use it now. But this new version actually kind of reminds me of the Breeze theme that Plasma 5 has. So, like... The window decorations for the win like they, these this theme for the window decorations look very much like Plasma Five, and uh, well, you know that's fine because it's open source and everything. That's one of the benefits of open source. Uh, so I just thought it was interesting that you know the update for Trinity is to kind of look like Plasma Five. So anyway, Q4 OS. If you're using that or interested in using that, you can check out the show notes in the to the the video description. KDE posted a blog post this week for the Ronda meetings that happened in September. So it's more like a roundup of what happened in the, all of the meetings so that you can like check out all the different details about what happened in each, each, each meeting. But the, the Ronda meetings are KDE's like annual get-together like development sprint where they focus on various different topics and then all work together to achieve that. In this particular example, they did uh, accessibility was like the main focus of the meeting this year. And one of the things I wanted to talk about in the show was this uh, really cool KWIN plugin that was made. It allows a developer to change the way the display of the screen is for colorblind people. It allows you to change how the, the screen is displaying the colors so that you can make, you can like manipulate your application based on uh, how someone might view, someone who's colorblind might, be, might view your application so that you can like, and you got different various different like whether you have like black and white type of colorblind or you have a red and green colorblind stuff so it's like it's really cool so that you can just if because if you don't have the ability it's hard to tell so the kwin plugin allows you to like apply this type of filter on top of your existing application so that you can see what they kind of uh, it's really cool to see that they're putting an effort into like making it easier for people to um, adjust uh, their at their applications based on you know the accessibility aspect of being of colorblindness. So that's really cool, and uh, keep up the good work, KDE. 
So if you watched last week's episode, you might notice that there wasn't any kind of reference to Patreon at all in the show. And that's because they decided to institute this new fee system that I was not really on board with, that I might, you know, I considered even switching away from Patreon because of this fee system. Thankfully, we can put the table back down and uh, not have to worry about that particular issue because Patreon this week announced that they are not going through with the policy change of the fee system. So if you're curious what it was, essentially it was instead of like we at the moment prior to the announcement, you had the creators were paying a processing fee for all of the all of the money that was being processed. Whereas this new announcement was like taking that fee from the creator side and, and forcing it onto the, the patron side. And the creator, the community, the Patreon community on both patrons and creator sides did not like that idea and, and actually like very adamantly hated it. So like the, so the communities basically just came out against it and like entirely and Patreon, like what's really cool about it is that Patreon made a mistake and they admitted that mistake and then fixed it. So that's really good. They should have, you know, contacted the creators in the first place but at least they didn't fully like commit to it they didn't like you know double down on their bad decision they did actually improve so that's good so i'm still we're still using patreon for the tux digital channel if you want to go to patreon.com slash tux digital back to normal and they're not going to do this weirdness so that's fantastic (laughs) but anyway so, uh, if you're curious why this is in a Linux show, it's because we use Patreon, and also because a lot of open source projects and various different things you might be interested in that are Linux related also use Patreon. So, patreoncom digital. <laughs> you know, a Steam client update was released this week, and with it comes some pretty interesting things. For for example, the shader precaching for OpenGL and Vulkan. If you've ever noticed that you might have some like stuttering, some like lag, or maybe the game takes a little while to load, it's because um, that shadering, that shader cache has to be built every time. So that's pretty much what's happening. Where this new system, where you can have this this new pre-caching system, is so that a game can actually offer the pre-made cache like once you play the game, and you can save the cache, and then the next time you load it, it's a lot faster and a lot, you know, to, and it also is a lot smoother too. So that's very cool. Another thing they bit did was where in some distributions of Linux, when you created a shortcut like a desktop or menu, an application menu shortcut, it didn't always work that well. Uh, this this update also is supposed to fix that. So if you if you see any um, if you if you've ever experienced that kind of problem, this should be solved now. And they've also added a a, de- a detection and a workaround for uh, some uh, some games that have like broken Steamworks SDK libraries. So overall, this is a much much needed update. And Linux gaming is always improving. That just shows you always improving. So the Atari Box was supposed to start their crowdfunding type situation this week. That was not done. And instead, there was an announcement that the pre-order launch has been paused. Like, the the, the Atari box itself has not been paused, but their pre-order, they're saying that they need more time to make sure that the time frame that they 
announced how long it's going to be between the launch, the pre-orders, and the actual shipments. They want they need more time to make sure everything is like optimum and stuff like that. So uh, it's really weird that they would have like the announcement when it's going to be pre-ordered and then like the pausing so close to each other. Like that's that's pretty weird. But hopefully the Atari box does come to fruition and isn't like you know Phantomware. I hope it does happen because uh, the the specs that we don't that we do have, even though it's not a lot of specs, it does look and sound interesting. So I hope it do, I hope it does happen, and it's not like uh, I hope it's not like it's just a retro console game thing, and it's like a, a full console because that would be way better. And the the fact that they were basing it on Steam Steam Machine uh, specs and Steam OS implies that it will be like a full gaming console. So um, hopefully it is. Hopefully it comes out soon. Hopefully you can pre-order soon. This week, the Frosty Fest event for Rocket League has started. If you're not aware of my opinion of this game, it's uh, pretty high. So it's on the show more than it probably should be. People might be annoyed by it, but I really like this game. But the reason it's on the show is not for me to promote it or anything, because... It's actually because the, there was there's a bug, a pretty big bug for Linux gamers uh, that has not been fixed yet, unfortunately. It started this as early this week, and it's still pretty much every time I, I play the game, I still get the issue. It's a... The new crate has some items that are not compatible with the Linux platform. So every once in a while, you'll just crash for no reason. So you'll 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 join a game and just crash, or you'll try to join a party and it'll just crash, or you try to open a crate and it just crashes. So the problem is that these these items are in, are not compatible. So if for so the, here's what happens: if you open the crate and it loads the item, it crashes you. If you join a party with someone who has the item, it crashes you. If you join a game where someone has the item in the game that you're joining, it crashes you. So, in order to alleviate it, there's some kind of, there is a little bit of a workaround. You can disable the cross-network play, that it disables like Xbox and PS, PS4, so you can play uh, just PC, and that lowers the amount of people who might have this prop, these, these items, so it lowers the amount of crashing, so that's good. Um, but that's basically all you can do. As soon as you play with someone who has those items, there's really nothing you can do about it. Hopefully, by getting more people and more attention to the game, this problem, the psionics will uh, fix it sooner than later, right? So, that's the goal. We'll see. This week, System76 announced their uh, high DPI daemon. This is a daemon that you can install for their like their laptops and desktops, and it improves the ability to use uh, high DPI displays as well as multi-monitor configurations. So it improves the both multiple high DPI as well as having like a high DPI mixed with a low DPI monitor, and and in various different resolutions and stuff like that. So very nice to see. Uh, the only thing that's kind of weird about it, and it's not really weird, it's just kind of unfortunate. In the sense that uh, these this daemon seems to only uh, like have support for Intel and Nvidia, like it might work with AMD well as well, but they don't ship AMD hardware in their stuff. They only do Intel and Nvidia, so 
Um, that makes sense. That's why they only ship. They only were shipping this Damon for those. You know, it'd be nice to see in the future if they also include AMD. But anyway, System seventy six high DPI Damon, pretty cool. If you use a System seventy six hardware or Pop OS, definitely check it out. Bolt is a new project from the Red Hat team. That's uh, for Thunderbolt three security on Linux. Thunderbolt three has security levels has has four security levels. And one of the issues is that this Thunderbolt 3 is super fast, but it opens up like plug-and-play stuff for like uh, direct memory access attacks or DMA attacks. So it makes it like a lot easier to like plug something in and attack the machine because of the, the protocol it, that it uses. So there's four security levels that needs to be a... a, a integrated into a system in order to use it. The Linux 4.13 kernel actually introduced the kernel side support for these levels. But we don't really have a, well, we didn't really have a user space level uh, protection in that case, except for um, now we do with the Bolt project, thanks to Red Hat. So that's fantastic. And um, if you have a Thunderbolt 3, you support you might not actually know it because uh it uses usb type c where you can you can actually get usb type c cables that are both thunderbolt and usb or just usb so it's really hard to sometimes tell what you have and what you don't have at least we're going to have security when you do have those cables now we just got to get devices and things like that that support thunderbolt 3 which is not really common it's coming and that's good it's also oh you know Thunderbolt 3 is also open source. That's why there's such a huge implementation of it. Anyway, Bolt. AMD announced that they're open sourcing the Vulkan driver in the AMD GPU Pro graphic stack. The AMD's Vulkan Linux driver was initially going to be closed source and then would then be open sourced once it was ready. This was an announcement they made basically like two years ago. It hasn't happened yet. So that was kind of weird that it took them that long, but it's great that it finally has happened. Uh, well, okay, technically it hasn't really happened. They announced that it's going to happen, and it will. They will be releasing it shortly. They say within a few days or so. Seemingly before Christmas, they're going to release the source code for the Vulcan driver of AMD GPU Pro. What exactly is this? It's um, you know, it's it's the official Vulcan driver that is already you, but you're already using it inside of AMD GPU. This is just taking the source code from that driver and releasing that because they think it's re it's re it's at a point now where it's ready to be released. So that's great. And it's going to be uh, released under the GPU GPU Open Umbrella project. Fantastic news for AMD. Hopefully fantastic and keep them coming. System D 236 version was released this week. And on this version, you get uh, we got updates for Lux to encrypted partition support, and another uh, they got Boot CTL has a new listing feature, so you can list all boot op all the boot menu options, and has some various improvements overall, and in, in like uh, for the System D Network D uh, networking improvements. It also introduced a really cool feature that I like, where you can choose the initial keyboard mapping with systemd-first boot, 
as well as uh, System Control has a new feature called uh, dry-run, where you can make changes based on like any given command and then run that to see what's going to happen without actually running the command to, for it to actually perform the, ish, the uh, action. So you can see what would have happened instead of doing it. So that's a nice feature. So anyway, System D 236. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on the show, please hit that like button. And if you'd like to get more, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to support the channel, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash touchdigital. Or you can order the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt by going to touchdigital.com slash Linux is Everywhere. Just a reminder, the show is live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern. So join us in the live chat room to discuss all the latest Linux news each week. And before we, before I finish the show, I wanted to first apologize for it being late and explain why it was late. So as I said just now that we have a live stream every Saturday, I, I learned something this week. An impromptu live stream that lasts nine hours is not a very good way to be productive for editing your video for your show. So next week... Instead of nine-hour stream, I'm going to make it uh, a little shorter and just worry about the show's uh, the show content instead of uh, a very long marathon stream. So, yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about, well, I mean, the people who are there for the stream, I hope you enjoyed that. And if you, if you did and you would like to have me do another marathon stream, if I schedule it, I can probably do it better and, like, for the editing and, the, and like, the timing and everything. But an impromptu stream that long was not a good idea. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> so um, next week we'll do it in a, a, a little bit shorter. And if we do, if you do want to do a marathon stream uh, sometime in the future, just let me know, and we'll try to schedule that in. So anyway, sorry for being late again. Thanks again for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. I'm Michael Tanel with Tux Digital, and as always, keep using, learning, and enjoying Linux. <laughs>